the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thinking about health care these days? Well, you're not alone. And it seems that getting real information about the state of our medical system is tough to come by. That's why you've come to the right place with Dr. Bill, your radio MD. He's got the answers because he's a doctor. I said he's a doctor and he wants to hear from you right now. 877-969-8600. This is AM860, The Answer. And now, it's time for Dr. Bill, your radio MD. Am I on? Chris? Okay, I heard a little stutter there. This is Dr. Bill. Welcome to the show, everybody. I heard the music go off and then back on. Last week, as you remember, we built our nuclear bomb, and now that we are a nuclear power, we have to start acting like a nuclear power. So we want to join the nuclear community. First, we have to declare ourselves an independent state. So we'll call ourselves the Democratic Republic of Tampa Bay. And, of course, civil defense is going to be a big deal if you're a nuclear power and you seem like a threat to some other nuclear power. They may want to nuke you first. So we're going to have to get a plan here, guys. We're going to need shelters. We're going to need supplies. We're going to need to know how to survive this if we are attacked. Now, you say, well, we'll all be gone. No, we won't. No, we won't. With some planning, you'll be just fine. Now, if you're at the epicenter of the, of the nuclear explosion, you're toast. But as you get further out, 10, 20 miles, 30 miles, there's a good chance that you can survive when you're 30 to 40 miles out. You say, well, what about all that radiation? Well, the the radiation decreases by one over the radius squared. So if the 10-mile radius is where you're at, then you're going to receive one one-hundredth the amount of radiation of somebody who is at the epicenter. So it's important that we get time and distance away from the nuclear explosion and the radiation we also have to watch out for the fallout because we may be far enough away not to have much effect from the radiation, but we may end up having radioactive dust fall on us, and that can, of course, cause problems, so we need to know how to take care of that. So we're going to have to have a civil defense plan, and, of course, we need a civil defense committee. And I'm, a, I'm appointing myself the chairman just for expediency, and, and also have Steve, our nuclear physicist, who was – kind enough to call last week. He can be on the committee with me. We'll fill it out as we go. But today I want to go over some of the basics of how to survive. There's a few things that we have to think about. One is shelter. We need to be sheltered. We need to be far enough away from the explosion that we are able to shelter ourselves. We are able to go somewhere and take care of ourselves. Now, what if you're too far away to really feel much of the effect of the blast or the initial radiation wave? 
Well, you still need to go indoors because you don't want all that radioactive fallout, all that dust falling on your head or my head or the baby's head because then you're going to get radiated. So the first thing we got to think about is if we don't have shelter, we got to improvise something. How can you improvise? Well, if you got time, you can. Unfortunately, we don't have basements in this part of Florida. But if you have time, you can take a board, plywood, reinforce it a little bit, lean it up against the part of the house that you want to stay in and hopefully be protected in. And you can pile dirt on top of that, slant the board. And you can build yourself a little a little radiation blocker that way. How does that work? Well, different substances have different ability, as you know, to block radiation. We all know about lead and the lead shields, and everybody who's had an X-ray sees the tech standing behind the lead shield looking through the little leaded glass and firing when you're in the right position. So we all know about lead, and we all know that if you've got enough concrete, you should be fairly safe from the radiation the blast, that's another story. But the radiation is what I'm talking about. If you're capable, if we can create a little bomb shelter for ourselves, and in this part of Florida, of course, we can't dig deep or you're in water. If we can do this, we can do it simply with some plywood, boards, shovel, dirt, and build it up. And that is one quick way to do it. So you lean it up against the part of the house that you want to protect and sit in and go to if you have time. And so what are the effects of radiation? Why do we have to protect ourselves and go into a shelter? And, of course, the more concrete you have, the better the shelter. And if you can lead the, the, the walls of it, you're in good shape. At the hospital, everybody can run into the radiation x-ray rooms and they'll be protected from the radiation there of course it's impractical for us to pour concrete and build a bomb shelter here and i'm not a survivalist i'm i'm the kind of guy who says we don't need to be that extreme in our thinking and a lot of the survivalists will say that there'll be chaos there'll be anarchy people will be shooting and killing each other for food Actually, the studies show just the opposite. All the psychological studies done show that in a crisis, people tend to pull together and cooperate better. You can see that after 9-11. For several months, Democrats and Republicans were kissy-huggy. So I don't think that that's going to be the problem. The problem is, is our health and our welfare. That's the big thing. And the effects of radiation change, increase in severity as the dosage of radiation received increases. And there's two scales that we use, REM, which is the old empirical, I mean, uh, imperial measurements, and then there's the millisieverts or the sieverts. Now, you don't need to know all of this, but just to tell you that there are actually ways that we can measure how much radiation that we're receiving and the dose that it has upon us. None of this is absolute. There just isn't enough out there in terms of ability to investigate this 
or events that will help us. We have to extrapolate from what happened at Hiroshima and Nagasaki, what happened at Chernobyl, and at other places around the world where there have been nuclear accidents or explosions. So if you get the top dose of radiation, we'll say 10,000 millisieverts, you're toast. Within a few weeks, you'll be gone. At Chernobyl, for comparison, the workers who died within one month received 6,000 millisieverts. And a lot of people don't know this, but there was only about 50 or 60 people that were killed by the explosion at Chernobyl. The big threat, the big scare was the radioactive iodine getting into our thyroids, as you guys know. The thyroid traps iodine and uses that to make our thyroid hormone. So that was the big concern. They gave all the kids uh, potassium iodine, which will be taken up by the thyroid and will block any other iodine from coming into the thyroid. So if you have radioactive iodine out there, before you let the kids eat and drink and go outside, you give them a dose of this potassium iodine, and it prevents radiation, radioactive iodine getting into the thyroid, and it decreases their chance of developing a cancer in their thyroid gland. Now you say, well, the thyroid's pretty superficial, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Can't you get those out? Yeah, you could probably screen these kids every year for the rest of their life, and then when something pops up, do a little surgery and take it out. So it's not super, super big deal, but, you know, it's a moderate big deal in this day and age with our surgical techniques. It's easy to get in and out of the neck and get the thyroid cancer out. But it's still an unpleasant thing for somebody to have to go through, especially when we have simple solutions like potassium iodine or potassium iodide. So the single dose which would kill about half of us exposed to it within a month is a 5,000. So it's half of the absolute fatal dose. A single dose which would cause radiation sickness but not kill us would be a 1,000. So that's one-tenth of the lethal dose that you can survive. And one half of the lethal dose, half of us can survive. Why didn't all those people at Hiroshima and Nagasaki survive? Why did they succumb to the radiation sickness? Well, they didn't know what to do. Now we do. We know the first thing is to get as far away as you can from the source of radiation. We know how to wash ourselves gently with soap and water to get rid of the radioactive dust, stay indoors for several days. There are some basic things that we can do. And if we do develop radiation sickness, which includes uh, bone marrow suppression, so our white blood cell count goes down, that's the group of cells that fight infection in us. The white blood cell count will drop. And we also know that at certain doses of radiation, the lining of our stomach and our intestines and our esophagus and our mouth will be killed and sloughed off. Why? Why are these two things so susceptible. Well, the radiation does its job by splitting water, water bonds in our body. There are a lot of water bonds in the cells, especially in the genetic material in the cells. 
a lot of the proteins are held together with water bonds. And so what happens is the radiation, a little wave of radiation, it's like light, only it's much, much smaller, much, much more energy produced by these little critters when they hit something. You know, they can disrupt the bonds between different chemicals in our genetic and protein systems inside the cells. And the rapidly dividing cells are the ones who are hurt the most. Makes sense. If you disrupt the genetic material in a cell that only reproduces or doubles itself or makes an offspring every five years, you're really not going to have much effect on that until that five-year cycle comes around. So the rapidly dividing and replacing cells, our bone marrow cells, our blood cells, and the cells lining our GI tract, our stomach and esophagus and mouth and small bowel and large bowel, these are the most susceptible. Now, the maximum radiation levels recorded at Fukushima plant, remember that, what was that, last year, I think, Chris, that thing blew or two years ago when the tsunami came in? The maximum radiation levels recorded were 400. The exposure of Chernobyl residents who were relocated after the 1986 blast were 350. Now, how much radiation am I allowed to have or should I have at the most? The recommended limitation for radiation workers is if for every five years is 100 of these millisieverts. So it's a very, very small amount relative to 10,000, which is the absolute kill. You're dead. You're toast. Well, what about CT scans of the, of the heart? The CT scan will give you 16 millisieverts. Of the belly and the pelvis, 15 millisieverts. An airline crew flying New York to Tokyo on a polar route, annual exposure is 9 millisieverts. Natural radiation we're all exposed to per year, 2 millisieverts. So it <clears throat> is an increasing scale of problems as the amount of radiation we receive goes up. But we can avoid a lot of that. How are you going to do it? First and foremost... If you're not dead already, get inside. Go in your house. If you don't have a bomb shelter, make sure there's a few walls between you and the direction where the blast was. The more material there is, the tougher it is for the gamma rays to get through. And because of the radioactive fallout, you need to close all the windows and all the doors and if you've got any leaky doors, stuff a little paper towel or bath towel underneath the crack so it doesn't get in. And it's about 72 hours that we consider a safe window. That is safe in terms of not receiving a lethal dose of radiation if you go outside. So if you're in, a, in an office building and you don't know which way the blast came from, go to the middle of the building. If you're in a part of the country where you have a basement, go to the basement. Most of the basements will provide adequate shelter because most of them are concrete walls with dirt built up around them. So you're fairly secure there in terms of the ability to survive the nuclear radiation effects.
stay away from windows and doors. Wood and glass have little stopping power of these gamma rays that are coming at you. And the gamma rays are high energy gamma rays. Yep, they come in different energy states. We use lower ones in medicine for diagnostics. But some of these coming out of the nuclear bombs is very high. So you're going to close the doors and windows, seal the cracks, get somewhere in the house where you're the farthest away from the point of radiation, the explosion. Now, if you were outside and you got some dust on you, shower. Not vigorously, shower gently with your hand and soap and water. Now, if it's just part of your body that was exposed, or if you've got a baby, or if you don't have the ability to take a shower, you, you can use baby wipes. That'll work. Baby wipes are cheap and easy. They should be in everybody's kit. You can go online and find all kinds of <clears throat> expensive solutions for washing off radiation on the skin from the fallout, but baby wipes work just as well. What do we need to think about? Well, after shelter, we need to think about water and food. So if there's a crisis, the first thing I would do and I have done is fill up the bathtub with water. Make sure that the drain is sealed properly so you don't lose it and use a little piece of uh, saran wrap or something else uh, to make sure that it's closed tight. Fill up the bathtub. You say, how long will that water be safe? Long time. Our water is chlorinated and fluoridated, so there's already antibacterial and antifungal chemicals in the water. But if you're concerned, you can add a little bit of Clorox to it, and there are plenty of formulas on the Internet. I've got some in the talk. I don't know if we'll get around to it or not. So you have a bathtub full of water, and if you're the kind of person who likes to plan ahead, when you go to the grocery store, every time you go and think about it, grab a bottle of one of those jugs of distilled water. Those gallon jugs, distilled water is the purest water you can get. And put it away safely somewhere. Don't let the kids or the animals get at it. What can you eat? Well, you can certainly eat canned goods as long as the canned goods are fresh. There's no uh, popping open or bloating or what do you call it when the can lid goes up but it hasn't come open all the way. You know, it, it indicates that there's gas inside of that canned food and that's produced by bacteria like botulism. You can also double bag foods right away. Make sure you get all the air out. You can use containers like Tupperware. So I don't think you need to plan for, you know, six months or a year of living underground. That That's really not necessary or needed if you survive the initial blast. The radiation levels fall with time and distance. 72 hours is a good minimum to wait to venture out. You can also get a cheap Geiger counter. There's places on the web where you can buy these things. 
little kits for under a hundred bucks. The government even has uh, a site where they tell you about how to make your own or how to what parts you need to make a little Geiger counter. And so you have that. Do you need it right now? No, but I think as the Middle East heats up and the possibility of a nuclear exchange increases, I think we need to really think about how we would, how we will, how we can survive because surely we'll be pulled into it and the Russians are not going to take the Israeli side. You know that. They're selling to the Persians, to Iran. That's their trading partner and has been a good neighbor off and on for several hundred years. So the Geiger counter would be helpful. Not everybody needs a Geiger counter. I mean, how often are you going to use it? Once in the blue moon, if ever. Also think about the part of your house that you want to go to and you want to make it safe. You can do simple things. You can have things prepared. You can have extra pieces of board or heavier material that you can lean up against parts of the house, as I said earlier, and put dirt on it. And we know that because of the density of different items, some will be stopping the radiation better than others. We know lead's a good stopper. We know that depleted uranium, U-238, is a good stopper of the radiation that's put out by the U-235, which is the isotope of uranium that we use in the bombs and in nuclear reactors. The next thing is protect our thyroid glands, especially the kids. And there are two forms of potassium iodine, tablets and liquid. Now, the tablets come in two strengths, 130 milligrams and 65. And they're scored so you can cut them into smaller pieces for lower doses for the kids. The oral solution, 1 cc, 1 milliliter, contains about 65 milligrams of potassium iodide. And you don't want to take too much of this stuff, but you do want to take the right amount of dosage that's necessary to prevent you from getting a whole lot of radioactive iodine in your thyroid gland, since this is one of the byproducts of the nuclear explosion. When the uranium cell breaks down, it creates daughters, daughter elements, and these daughters, many of them are still radioactive, some of them are not, and iodine is one of those who comes out radioactive. So for babies, just to give you an idea, newborns to one month, a quarter of the 65 milligram tablet or a quarter of a milliliter of the solution, and this is for both nursing and non-nursing newborns, one month to three years, it goes up to 32 milligrams. 3 to 18, 65 milligrams, and anybody over 150 pounds should take the full adult dose of 130 milligrams. So it's very simple, <clears throat> and there's plenty of instruction on the web. I got this off of the FDA site. You can also buy Lugol solution, which is potassium iodide and iodine-free. It's used in medicine for different things and in chemistry. 
And you can get this on Amazon or any website. Just Google it, and there you go. So we use that for other things in medicine, but primarily we're concerned about preventing thyroid cancers later in life. So we've got our basics now. Somebody in the neighborhood has a Geiger counter. We've decided where our shelter is going to be, and we've got that ready, as primitive as it may be. We've got the potassium iodide to protect the kids. Adults are not going to be as affected by it because we're not going to live as long as the kids. And the cancer in the thyroid is a product not only of exposure but also of time, of years. It may take decades for a thyroid cancer to develop from an exposure at age two or three. And we talked about the water. Now we need to think about food for two or three days. What can we store or what can we use in our cabinets that we already have? Well, a lot of the grains will be fine. Rice, wheat, especially the hard red winter wheat, dried beans, sugar will last almost forever. Honey will last almost forever. Oats, pasta, just double bag them. Squeeze out all the air before you do. And you've got a ready source of calories there. For the kids and for the vitamin D and for the calcium, powdered milk works fine. Dried fruits and dried vegetables. The dried fruits are easy to store. They'll last forever. And you can also pick up things like jerky, beef jerky or spam, canned goods. You don't need a whole lot. And you can usually go to your pantry and get a lot of this. It's recommended to store two weeks' worth of food. 72 hours is uh, probably good enough, but being on the safe side, we have a little buffer there. Use canned goods, dry mixes already in your cupboard. You're going to need at least a three-day supply of water per member of your family. You need one gallon per person per day. And don't forget your pets. They need food and water too. Learn where your gas electric shutoffs are for your house and how to turn them off. That's important, whether it's a nuclear holocaust or whether it's a hurricane or some other natural disaster. We need to know where we go to turn the gas off to our house. If there's a broken gas line between our house and the street or the tank of gas in the, in the ground or beside the house, could be big trouble. So you need to go outside or wherever it is and figure out where to turn it off inside the house for some of the incoming from the natural gas that cities supply. And, of course, to do this, you need just a little basic toolkit. should have some pliers in it and screwdrivers and a hammer. Very basic things that you need to do this with. And don't forget a can opener. If you're going to eat canned goods, you got to have an opener. Now, a lot of these multi-tool knives will have a can opener in it, although I find that very difficult and for a lot of folks impossible to use. 
So we're getting there, guys. We're getting there. Next, we have to talk about our first aid kit. You know what? I'm going to ask everybody a question, and anybody who has an answer or some input, I want you to give me a call. Three items you would want in your emergency kit. Think of three items that you would want that you think are necessary for your emergency kit for a disaster, whether it be a nuclear holocaust or a Category 4 or 5 hurricane, whatever it is. And when I come back, I expect some answers. I'm Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. A state assemblyman representing a tight-knit Orthodox Jewish community in New York City says the deaths of seven children in a house fire is a, quote, absolute disaster. He says people are in utter shock. Investigators believe a hot plate left on overnight was the cause. A man who used wasp spray and a machete to try and attack TSA employees and passengers at the New Orleans airport yesterday had also been carrying a bag of Molotov cocktails. Richard White was eventually shot three times and died later at a hospital. The State Department says it has removed remaining U.S. personnel from Yemen as security and military officials there say another city has fallen to Shiite rebels. And President Obama hosts the newly elected president of Afghanistan this week and the pace of U.S. troop withdrawals is expected to be amongst the major topics of discussion. America's exit from the war remains tightly linked to the Afghan security forces. This is SRN News. They say there's safety in numbers, but the Wall Street numbers right now aren't exactly reassuring. That's why we brought back Phil's game starting this Monday. They tried to fake a GDP today. They got caught. Phil Grandy knows what to buy, sell, and when to do both. And that's the difference when you're dealing with charts and when you're dealing with just make-believe. Phil's Gang is all about answers when it comes to investing in Wall Street. Don't miss Phil's Gang starting this Monday, 3 to 4, only on AM860. The answer. Looking forward to your tax refund? So are identity thieves who steal refunds by filing fraudulent tax returns. Last year alone, they stole more than an estimated $5 billion from hardworking Americans just like you. Once identity thieves get a hold of your tax forms, watch out. They know that virtually all the information they need to steal your identity and even your life savings is right there. Help protect yourself with LifeLock Ultimate Plus. LifeLock Ultimate Plus provides protection for your social security number, bank accounts, investments, even the equity in your home. And while no one can stop all identity theft and nobody can monitor every single business, LifeLock Ultimate Plus provides their most comprehensive identity theft protection available. If you're filing taxes this year, especially if you're filing online, get LifeLock Ultimate Plus. Visit LifeLock.com and use promo code AWARE or call and mention AWARE to save 10%. Call 800-838-6010. 800-838-6010. 800-838-6010. 
Hi, Mike Gallagher. This year, be part of something bigger than yourself and stand with Israel. Every once in a while, an opportunity to do something truly special comes along. A chance to experience something you've never experienced before and may never again. Spend nine days this fall in the Holy Land with me and Genesis Tours. We'll enjoy safe first-class accommodations and a world-class experience in Israel. Join Mike Gallagher for a once-in-a-lifetime trip to Israel. Sign up today at am860theanswer.com. Click on the Stand with Israel banner. Expect a blend of clouds and sunshine throughout today, I-83. Partly cloudy and warm tonight, low 70. Mostly cloudy with a few showers and a thunderstorm tomorrow, high 79. Your Tuesday will be nice with partial sunshine, high 82. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Jeremy Pearson for AM 860. The answer. And I'm back. This is Dr. Bill, your radio MD. Hey, guess what we're talking about today? Last week we built a nuclear bomb. So this week, since we're now nuclear power and a target, obviously. So now we have to have civil defense. So we got to figure out how to survive the nuclear holocaust. And we're going to do it. We're going to do it. And before the break, I asked if anybody had three items that they would want in their emergency kit, because we're going to talk about that next. And if you do have anything you want to put in it, give me a call at 813-289-1860, and 877-969-8600. That's 877-969-8600. And so my question today is, what three items would you put in your emergency kit in the event of a disaster that you would want to have in your kit? It could be very simple things, medications, clothing, blankets, whatever. Give me a call. First person I'll give you, well, the first two, I'll give you a $25 gift certificate to the restaurant of my wife's choice. So give me a shout. Well, a first aid kit that I would think of is going to be a little bit more complex than the average person would do because I'm a doctor and I can suture and I can do minor surgery, so I'll need a little bit different equipment. But the basics are the same. First and foremost, if you're on medications or other health care supplies which are necessary, make sure that you have some stocked up and ready to take with you into the bomb shelter or inside the house if you can't get out for 72 hours because it's not safe with the radiation fallout. And you need the paperwork of any medications and diseases that you have because if you're injured and you're incapable or incapable, rather, of telling someone what your problems are, what your allergies are, if you're allergic to penicillin, then you should have that information and have it nearby. I would put a blanket in my kit, just one blanket. Now, down here, it's not going to be that big of a deal, but we did have some some nights in the 40s a couple of months ago. And if you think about it, if there's a nuclear blast and it's between you and the power plant that's sending you electricity, you may not have electricity, 
a lot of people have already stocked up with these uh, gas-run uh, generators, and, and that's not a bad idea. Just make sure it's working. You're also going to need just the basic hygienic things like soap, toothbrush, personal care items, depends, diapers, and you want to have emergency contact information, and you want to make sure that everybody in your network is connected and communicating. The one thing I keep telling people to do, and I have it in almost every part of the house here, is a multi-purpose tool, one of those little knives that has, a, you know, Swiss Army knife that has about a gazillion little things in it, including can openers and screwdrivers. Make sure you know where your important documents are. Insurance cards, immunization records, birth certificates, all those kinds of things you need to have somewhere safe, whether for a disaster or not. You need to have it double baggy, especially in Florida where we have hurricanes, and if it's not protected and there's a surge of water and you're on a slab-on-grade ranch house, Everything's going to get flooded. So make sure you protect the important documents. A little extra cash. Maps of the area, because your cell phone may not be working. Extra set of car keys and house keys. If you have babies, children, pets, or someone with special needs, you're going to have to add their medical supplies, like hearing aids with extra batteries, Glasses, contact lenses, syringes for diabetics, canes. For those folks who are having balance problems or have been hurt. And don't forget the babies and the grandbabies. Bottles, formula, baby food, diapers, wipes. By the way, the wipes are multi-purpose. You can use the wipes, as I said earlier, to get radioactive fallout dust off of you safely. You know, another good thing is let the kids grab something that they feel comfortable with. Get some games for them. Let them take their stuffed animals or their blankies or whatever it is. And you'll also need some basic pet supplies. You know, if you've got a cat and you want to keep the cat with you, you better have a litter box for the cat or you're going to be very unhappy in a very short period of time. And take into account your family's unique needs and tastes. Familiar foods are important. They're comfort. They lift our morale and give us a feeling of security in times of stress. Make sure you include foods that will not only be enjoyed, but are also high in calories and nutrition. You can forego protein for a while, but you got to have calories. And if it's a crisis situation, you need high calories. Basically, everything that is not an essential fatty acid or an essential amino acid or a vitamin or a mineral is broken down in the gut and it's turned into calories either stored as sugar or fat or burnt up as we do work so it's a lot of nonsense to say calories are bad calories are calories and they're in every food we eat because everything, unless it's an essential item that the body can't make itself and will grab and hold on to, is broken all the way down to simple sugars. Proteins, fats, everything. You want to store this stuff in a dry, cool spot, a dark area if possible. 
try and stock up on foods that do not require refrigeration or special preparation, things that are easy to cook, things that are easy to nuke. And if you can't do that, make sure that you have food that you can eat that's high in calories. If you want to bring a bottle of vitamins with you, that's fine. Store this stuff in resealable containers to try to preserve their integrity and ensure that the lids are put back on tightly or the baggies are closed tightly after each use. And wrap perishable foods like cookies and crackers in the baggies as well. Double bag it or put them in sealed containers. Empty open packages of sugar or dried fruit or nuts into screw-top jars. Airtight canisters for protection from pests as well as from deteriorating, going bad. And inspect all food before you eat it for signs of spoilage. Throw out canned goods that become swollen, dented, or corroded. They may have botulism in them. And use your food before it goes bad and replace it as it goes bad. Date. Mark everything with indelible ink. The Sharpie, S-H-A-R-P-I-E, fine point. That's an indelible marker that's easy to write with. You can get it at any of the office supply stores. Also at Walmart and Kmart. Date all of the things that you're going to keep and store them at the back of the cabinet in a dark area and place new items at the back of the storage area and the old ones bring them forward. And if you have food that you use frequently, well, use it even before there's an emergency. But make sure you have a backup of that if it's something that you like, something that everybody will eat and will give sustenance to everybody. And so you want to put the newest in the back and the oldest working their way towards the front so you use it up before it goes bad. Some things will keep a long time. Six months, maybe even more for powdered milk. And you can get the powdered milk that's stored inside of the package with nitrogen in it, and that'll last even longer. Dried fruit will last a long time. Dry crisp crackers, dried out bread. 150 years ago, they had a bread that they prepared that was a biscuit, and they dried out all the way, and it was called hardtack. I believe that that's what they called it. And you just dunk it in some water or milk or whatever, and there you go. Potatoes will keep a long time. You guys know that. Canned, condensed meats and vegetables and soups, fruits, fruit juices and vegetables, ready-to-eat cereals, peanut butter, jelly, hard candy and canned nuts. All these things should last at least a year. So make sure that you rotate that annually if you do develop a plan. Some things will last forever. Like I said earlier, the grains, wheat, Vegetable oils, dried corn, baking powder, soybeans, instant coffee, tea, cocoa, salt, non-carbonated soft drinks, white rice, bullion products, dry pasta, 
powdered milk and the nitrogen packed cans will last forever. So these are some of the things that you can safely put in the back of the cabinet and you'll have it in case of an emergency, whether it's nuclear or a hurricane or all the neighbors have turned into zombies. I think we've got a couple in our neighborhood. And why does food go bad? Basically, it's the oxygen. It combines with the food. Most most of the problems are with the free oxygen. And everything rusts. Everything oxidizes. Everything will rust. Well, not everything. Gold will not. There are some elements that will not be affected by oxygen. But food, fats, anything, everything will eventually rust, organic rust. We got Will from Sebring has something to add to the list of his prepper stuff. Will, welcome to the show. What do you got, bud? Well, well, you, everything you named was good. You just kind of left out like uh, some bleach, a bucket, maybe a couple buckets, and some toilet paper because you're going to have to relieve yourself at some point during the... Yeah. You, you're you're 100 percent right, Will, and I'm glad that you brought that up. No, the, I hate it. I almost hate it too. It's embarrassing, but I mean, you're going to have no. to go dookie at some point. Oh yeah, you got to. And I think yeah. the other thing is, if you have a bucket with a lid on it, you can take a piece of hose and and make a little vent outside so that the house or your shelter doesn't smell like poop all day and all night. That, that, that even got, well, that's what the bleach was for to help maintain help maintain some of that. But yeah, that's even a, that's even a better idea. You, know, you can add a hose to it. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, bleach can be used not only for cleansing surface tops and uh, poop areas and all that. You can also put a few drops into water that may be contaminated. That's right. You can do that, too. Yep. Yep, you sure can. Yep. And there's formulas uh, on the Internet that will tell you how how many drops to put in. I've got it in my talk, but it's too much to go through. Yeah, it'll kill it'll kill crypt, uh, cryptosporium and uh, jardy and stuff like that in the in bad water supply in a bad water sometimes. Yep, and you know the other thing we can think about, Will, is uh, we can think about filtering the water as well as putting the uh, the chlorine or the chlorine tablets that you can get at Walmart or anywhere for camping. And if you if you do get the chlorine tablets, you're in great shape. But if it's dirty, not only by bacteria and viruses, but also just with sediment. Uh, you know, sand, whatever. If you have a little carbon filter you can push it through, that's even better. And I found uh, a couple of years ago, we went to uh, Isle Royale up in Lake Superior, and they didn't have any uh, facilities there other than one little area. So we brought, for hiking, we brought these, or bought and brought these bottles that we got, I think, at Walmart that had a little carbon filter in the top, and you just poured your water in and it would filter out most of the stuff that, that would be unpleasant for you to to swallow. So we have to think about carbon filters as well as purifying our water and keeping our area clean, like Will said, with Clorox. That's a very important item. That's great. That's it's great. For, you get for a dollar at the, at the Dollar Tree, they're a dollar a gallon, man. I wouldn't, you know, you should, you should have some. You should, you should have some at the house anyway. Yeah, you should. Absolutely. I agree you. These are all cheap items, folks, that you can pick up uh, at, at the grocery store or at Kmart or Walmart or uh, Office Depot. I mean, th- this is just very simple, basic stuff. It, it doesn't even have to relate to nuclear. 
uh, holocaust that can relate to hurricanes or tornadoes that have torn down the neighborhood. And you got to stay there if your house is still standing and try and preserve what you got. You got to eat. You got to sleep. You got to poop. Yeah. Grab, grab some pillows on your way down. You know. Yeah, and, well, it's just the it's just the way it is. It's the way we work. It's it's got to be done. But yeah, it's got to be done. And you know, we don't have to plan on living in a shelter for years. But no, uh, so, but 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 a few days it adds up, and it could be nasty. Oh yeah, it could be real nasty. And uh, you know, the other thing too that you got to think about is uh, where are your cutoff valves for your gas and your electric and your water? I talked about that earlier. But yeah, we well, we know some- we know where they are here. Yeah, well, you got to know, but you got to have a, a, a screwdriver and pliers and a few things to turn some of these valves off. Yeah, valve- I've got a basic. I got a basic kit for that. I don't have a million tools, but I got I got what I need. So- yeah, you could pick up a little cheapy kit at uh, Harbor Freight for you know ten or twenty bucks, and it has. That's basic- funny. We just they just put up a Harbor Freight here in Sebring about about two months ago. It's a busy busy store. Oh yeah, it's busy. Yep. You know, if you're really a nut about this, too, you can actually get a tank of nitrogen gas from your oxygen supply company. And there are bags that are made specifically for this, that they have valves in, in them. And you can blow out all of the oxygen because the nitrogen's heavier and keep food even longer. So there, there right. are That's fancier right. things you can do, too. Now they, they used to do that. With, they do that with meat sometimes to keep it uh, keep it from turning brown looking, right? They would add some. They said they would add nitrogen to the inside yep. the wrappers or something. I don't know yep. how true that is, but well, it's effective because nitrogen doesn't really interact much with uh, with organic materials. Now, if you go to lower, higher pressures, lower down in the water, scuba diving, then the nitrogen can start to dissolve into our system, and we do have yeah. nitrogen. Nitro- so- nitrox. Yep. Yep. But it becomes it becomes toxic after like 110 feet or something. Yeah, you can get you can get the uh, little nitrogen narcosis they call it. And yeah. When I went down to 140 feet, the first time I went down, I told the instructor, I said, I, I don't feel good. So we went up and we talked about it, and he said, No, that's nitrogen narcosis. I said, Well, what do you do? He said, Just ignore it. So I went back <laughs> down and I ignored it, and I was fine. But yeah. yeah it's- yeah, it's actually a wonderful thing. You could you could go down more often and stuff. It's neat. It's pretty neat. Yep. So we but, get um, these these nitrogen bags. Well, thanks for calling, buddy. Give uh, give Chris your info, and we'll get you out a, a gift certificate. That was a good good call, bud. Good guy, Chris. <clears throat> I liked him. So we got these nitrogen bags. If you're really a nut, and you can order a tank of nitrogen if you don't know how to do it, ask your doctor. He's probably got access to uh, oxygen, home oxygen companies. Or if you have somebody in the family that gets home oxygen, you can ask them if they can bring in a little bottle of nitrogen. And nitrogen will preserve food even longer, as we said. So you can store it in in special containers, and it'll keep it fresh and ready to use. And that's that's a good thing. So once you've got all your supplies together, you've got to organize it. Make sure everything is easily carried. It's easy to open and close for older people who have arthritis or younger kids who may need to get in it. You get your emergency supply kit quickly. Hang on to it. I've got a little bag for my medical kit. I think I got a bag up at 
Harbor Freight for 10 bucks canvas bag, and I put everything in there. It's simple. You know, it's not hard. So you'll need to maintain the ability to address minor emergencies, whether they're cuts or whether they're burns or radiation burns, rashes, different things that you think of, and everybody will have a few extra things that they think are important. Some people may want to put a little hydrocortisone cream in, especially down here in Florida because you get a little heat rash and you can be awfully uncomfortable. But you'll need bandage scissors and Band-Aids, get some bandaging tape, get some gauze pads, antibiotic ointments, solution, maybe a little sterilized saline water or even just make your own saline water to wash wounds off with, wash off radioactive fallout that may adhere to a skin wound, but not to the rest of the body. So you have to think about that. Not that hard. Not that hard. Oh, and I talked about the uh, Geiger counters. There's a place I found online called Electronic Gold Mine. Electronic Gold Mine. And they sell cheapy kits for making a, putting together a little uh, little Geiger counter so you can see what the activity is. How are you going to purify the water? Well, some houses already have the reverse osmosis purification systems. And that's one way to do it, but that's fairly complex. But charcoal filtering, that's easy to improvise. Or you can buy the charcoal filters already in a little package, and as I said, already with a a water bottle, and you can use it that way. You can use one liter plastic bottles cut off the bottom, so then you have the neck and the and the top open, and the bottom is open. Put a paper towel or napkin to trap the, your activated charcoal. You have it upside down now, so that the neck is at the bottom. And then you put your activated charcoal in there. And then on top of that, you can put another layer of cloth or paper towel or a little sand or whatever to hold that in place. It'll hold the charcoal in place. And then you got this thing upside down. So you can pour the contaminated water into the liter bottle and let it perk through the charcoal and collect it in, in your bucket or your bottle below that. And you can store that water in food-grade plastic containers. And you can drop in your chlorine tablets or you can put a few drops of Clorox bleach in there to kill off any bacteria. And again, you need about a gallon per day. For purifying water, like Will said, keep basic household bleach around. Everybody should have a jug of that. And also some potassium iodide, either the Lugol solution or the pills. And actually, you can use the potassium iodide to purify water as well. Not many things like iodine. Don't forget about communications. Get yourself a little crank or solar-powered radio, and if battery-operated, keep spare batteries so you can hear NOAA weather and emergency broadcasting. Your cell phone may not work. If it can, find a solar charger for your model and stock up on all the medical supplies. Don't forget latex gloves, scissors, tweezers, a thermometer, a first-aid book, all these things. Bring it in. Make a kit 
and get yourself ready. And, you know, this is really important now that we're an independent nation. The Democratic Republic of Tampa Bay, and as the official founding father, I'm going to wish everyone a wonderful day from the Democratic Republic of Tampa Bay. Love you guys. See you next week. This is Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. And here we go now. How much would he give for it? Beautiful painting. It's on the block. He would get 10 hundred. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.